1: <laughs> it sounds so like down I don't mean it to be down but we're talking about disappointment with God there you go uh, we're also going to answer questions about how can you tell if a child is ready for one of those big significant church traditions and uh, my colleague Becky is talking about the importance of values and and, and what that looks like in our life uh, so and of course we'll have a final question to start a conversation <laughs> so let's get started disappointment <laughs> I'm sorry, disappointment. Term has ended and summer begins. And so, of course, what do I want to talk about? I want to talk about disappointment with God because I think it's a really, really important topic. As lockdown eases, our children may begin to reflect on their experiences and look around. And one feeling that may pop up is the why didn't God question The, why didn't God let me have a final time at school? Why didn't God protect Nanny from COVID? Why didn't God give me what I asked him for? Why doesn't God talk to me? And I think, I think one of our greatest fears as a parent, as a carer, as a guardian, is that we may not know how to handle it if our children ever get disappointed with their experience of God. We can sometimes be fearful of letting them ask big things of God in case they get disappointed. We we sometimes don't want them to ask God for the big stuff, to engage with him about the big stuff, because what if God doesn't pull through? We don't want them to be crushed and walk away. We get afraid that disappointment becomes the deal breaker in their relationship with God. And I just wanted to talk a bit about how to help your kids through spiritual disappointment so that you're not afraid of it, and they're not afraid of it. First of all, I wanted to say it's a good thing. I know this sounds really counterintuitive, but it's a good thing when our children are disappointed with God around us. I'd much rather them experience this disappointment thing when they're with us, when we can walk with them through it, than try to handle it on their own. So yes, when you see your kid being disappointed with God, there's a moment I find of just thankfulness that I get to be here to teach my kid for us all to be with our children to teach them how to walk through this because this is not the only time they're going to experience this and if we can teach them how to walk through it we are setting them up for a life a life of faith and not just a moment of faith uh, second, I just want to say that this experience is an important process of faith. It's an important thing to learn uh, for all of us. And if we can give them a framework for this, then they'll know how to walk so much of life with God. Um, so how do we do it? How do we help our kids deal with disappointment from when they're tiny people to when they're really old? Um I tend to look for the Psalms for help. The Psalms is full of people trying to walk out some version of disappointment. It's not what it's all about, but there are scattered through it um, so many people who are walking out disappointment. Talk to your kid, talking your kids through things to do when you feel disappointed can be such a gift. Um, as a parent, we can create windows before we teach them what to do for themselves. As a parent, teach them what it looks like for you, create those windows into when it happened for you and what you did. You can tell the stories of when you asked God for something and it didn't happen and how you came through it and what that did to your heart and for how long and how you coped with it. Those, those personal stories can be so helpful. And when you're going through something side by side to say, are you feeling a bit disappointed? Because I am. To name it and help your kid know it and see how you're choosing to walk through it is so significant. It can also be really helpful to frame for them that it's normal to experience those feelings and that people in the Bible and in life that we know deal with those same feelings, and they all have their own ways of coping with it. So this creating windows and framing can be very powerful around our children. We can tell our children that we don't want to let disappointment rob us of the greatest gift we can have, which is a life with God. But we do need to learn to deal with those emotions, and the Psalms gives us a really good pattern. So I tend to teach when I'm teaching in children's ministry, when I do family work, I tend to teach a sort of three-stage process to disappointment with God. Yes, I do actually do all-age services about disappointment. Uh, And so these are the three stages that can be really helpful to just have in our back pocket if we need it. One... Tell God how you feel. So often our children or teens experience that confusion or disappointment or, or they disengage from God when something doesn't work out the way they thought. And the Psalm shows us that when you feel that feeling of disappointment, confusion, or disengagement, we're supposed to push into God. For instance, Psalms 10, Psalm 10 starts off with this really long rant of the writer calling out to God saying, Oh God, "'Oh Lord, why do you stand so far away? "'Why do you hide when I'm in trouble?' And then goes on to rant for like nine whole verses about how bad the situation is. Psalm 88 is a just complete emotional rant. We can encourage our children to talk to God about how they feel. And so when our kids are talking about feeling disappointment or disconnected or confused, we can say, did you tell God how you feel? You know, you can feel free to tell God exactly how you feel. Um, Model it in your individual chat to God and even at together times if you want. You know, if your kid's experiencing that, to give them words to show how you can express disappointment to God can be so helpful. So in in a case of a kid not being able to go back to school, to say, you know, while you're praying together at bedtime, God, we're heartbroken that Keisha didn't get to see your friends again before the end of year six. We prayed and prayed and asked you to open the school, but the school didn't open. And it is so not how we wanted this year to go, God. We are sad. And a bit confused as to why you didn't fix it. You know, some of us feel numb or confused. And, you know, I'm going to be honest, God, some of us are angry, but we don't want to hide from you. Our our grief is pretty big right now, God. That was a big, big, big disappointment that we're feeling. And to encourage them to to run to God with their feelings rather than run away from him is an incredibly significant move. The second stage of sort of working through our disappointment with God is to to help our hearts shift into seeing truth, speaking truth, and thanking God. After we tell God how we feel, really, really how we feel, it's helpful to remember that actually we do know lots of things. We may not know what happened and why we got that disappointment, but we do know some stuff and we can thank God for it. Thank you, God, that we recovered from coronavirus. Thank you for the friends that have been so faithful over so many years. Thank you that we loved our school so much, that we miss it so much. Thank you for Mr. Brown, who was an awesome teacher, even in lockdown. Thank you for helping all of my kids' friends feel connected to each other. Thank you for your faithfulness to comfort us when we have been so sad to be away from our friends. We can speak truth and pray things like, you love celebration, God. You are the one who commanded us to party in the Bible. We don't know how to right now, and we really need some inspiration about that. Or we can say, thank you for making our hearts in a way that needs people. It's been so hard without it. I love that you hear us, God. The situation is so... God, I don't even have the words to express the grief and loss, but thank you that you promised to be close to the brokenhearted and comfort us. And we really, really need it right now. You can take turns doing it together. You can drip feed it in. You can add it to your bedtime prayers for them to overhear or encourage them to write a list like, a staircase of sadness. Some kids use this three-step format as a journal structure. You know, like, one, this is how I feel, blah, blah, blah. Two, thank you for blah, 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 blah. Three, you know, so many Psalms follow this pattern, a sort of emotional outburst followed by reminding, declaring, and thanking God for who he is. Psalm 10, that started off with the, oh, Lord, why do you stand so far away? Why do you hide when I am in trouble? Ends with the author saying, Lord, you know the hopes of the helpless. Surely you will hear their cries and comfort them. You will bring justice to the orphans and the oppressed so mere people can no longer terrify them. The author of the psalm turns to truth, to praise, to thanks, to a reminder of who God is. It it helps turn our hearts. The third stage of dealing with disappointment, I find, after you tell God how you feel and you begin to speak truth and thank him for who he is, is this third thing of Invitation to meet. We need God, his voice, his patience, his love, his truth, his guidance. Often our kids fall into a pattern of leaving messages on God's answering machine. You know, they talk at him and then they leave. Helping our kids wait just a little bit builds their expectation that God responds to their prayers. If you want to know more about this whole conversational prayer thing, you know, check out Chat & Catch on the website, the Parenting for Faith website and the free Parenting for Faith course. But in terms of this disappointment thing, feel free to teach our kids to ask for what they need. God, give me peace. I need to stop spinning in my head and find joy. Please help me find joy. God, hug my friends tonight. Whatever your kids need from God, encourage them to ask and then wait 10 seconds, 30 seconds, knowing that God moves in response to our prayers. Sometimes we can tell them, sometimes we can say, you know, we, sometimes we know what God is doing and sometimes we don't know what he's doing, but he is doing something. So let's expect him to and give a little bit of time. How you help your kids on this journey of disappointment is up to you. You may have learned things on your walks that are super helpful in dealing with disappointment with God. You may want to talk to them about it in creating windows kind of way. Or if you have under fives, it may be as simple as modeling it. I <laughs> I was watching old home videos of my life with my kid and my evidently my husband videoed like an 8 minute clip of me coaching my 3 year old through the absolutely devastating soul ripping injustice and utter soul crushing disappointment of an accidentally thrown away sock and uh, it was weird to watch but it it followed the same pattern in between all the normal sort of small person breakdown comforting that I was doing you could hear random little snippets added in from uh, me holding him and saying while he like wailed oh god we're so sad and angry that our sock is gone we want to have it back and we can't have it oh our hearts hurt god I was just like putting words to what he was feeling or um uh, thank you god (laughs) thank you god for the best sec the 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 best sock that you've ever made, God. It was the number one sock we'll ever have. Uh, to the eventual calm down discussion uh, about what to watch on TV and then a quick little, we need your peace, God. Let's breathe three deep breaths while God hugs us with his peace. I mean, it doesn't have to be big. If you're living in an under five world, it's okay to just add little random snippets to it as they're experiencing it so they know as they're walking it through you can grab onto God in all of these three different ways. But with older teens and children, this may look like telling stories at the dinner table and having really deep conversations about missed A-levels and girlfriend betrayals and feeling let down by the lack of God's direction in something. It may look like praying for your kid or letting them see how you do it, however you do it. Helping our kids learn to walk this kind of spiritual disappointment can be so important. Help them tell God their feelings, acknowledge the truth or thank him, and ask for what you need from God and wait right uh for our question today uh we had a question which i i find interesting it's sort of like a hey remember when we all went to church question uh but i think it's a really important one as we consider the sort of going back and getting back in the groove which is this as lockdown ends church services and traditions are opening up again my kid is at an age where confirmation may be possible how do i know if my kid is ready Uh, Thank you so much for sending in your question. We always love answering questions for the podcast. And if you send them in, we will absolutely answer them in the podcast. So please do uh, send them in through the website, just through the contact us page. Um, For those of us in a different churchmanship, uh, what is confirmation? Uh, Confirmation is a moment in often Anglican or Catholic church traditions where people, often in their early teens, have the opportunity to say, yes, this faith is my faith, to confirm and publicly declare their faith. Other churchmanships have traditions of full immersion baptism, where children or teens can declare their faith as their own. And so how, as a parent, can we know when it's right to encourage our children into something like this? A public declaration of their faith through some sort of traditional act. Um, I'm also going to throw communion in here because you know, it's also a a moment where we decide when our kid can do this. Um, I'm aware not every churchmanship practices traditional sacraments. Um, Shout out to my Salvation Army friends. I love you Uh, and others. But most of us have moments of helping our children, no matter what tradition you are, of helping them take their next public steps of faith and ownership. And as parents, it's a great question to ask ourselves. I really like this question because I agree that it is the parents, carers, or guardians' role to help a child come to the decision to do something like this. Um, often we can feel like we're sort of helpless to the church until the church brings it up. But I want you to feel powerful to have these conversations with your child. Um, so here's a couple of considerations to have. Um, one, it's really helpful to know your church's policy. Churches have often specific age markers, and they sometimes vary according to regions. So I know some churches who do you know communion at six, and others not till twelve, and some people do confirmation at fourteen. And it's just helpful to talk to your church leadership and find. Out sort of what's available and when it's available and what courses you need to go on and just sort of getting a sense of it so that you just have it in your head before you have to decide. Um, The the second thing I suggest you do is that you begin to um, create a framework around it before you need to get there. Uh, No matter what your tradition is, you know that there's, you know, these opportunities coming up. Start talking about it now, not because your kids are ready, but because you want them to have a framework in which to step into it. Um, Create those windows in your life and frame about the tradition way ahead of time. If you think it may be coming up in the next few years, you know, take your kids to a confirmation or a baptism or communion or whatever, you know. watch it and frame it and talk them through it and say, ooh, look what they're doing and why do you think they would choose to do this and what difference do you think it makes in their life? Tell your story of your significant moments um, within church. Attend other people's and talk about what it feels like. Just make sure that you both share an understanding of what it's about and why people do it. So by the time you get to do you want to do it, uh, you feel like you've done all of that talk already. That can be really helpful. Um, another thing is really helpful is to help them know what the next step is, um, so that it's not just dependent on the church putting out the notice, going, "Hey, anybody want to do confirmation?" But actually telling your kid, you know, every this is a thing that's on offer, and if you want to do it, this is how you take your next step, and say, because most of these traditions are about them wanting to take the next step. And so if you always tell them what the next step is, then they feel powerful to do that. And so maybe it's that you, without telling them, just regularly talk about it every time it comes up at church to say, oh, they mentioned it. And that's really interesting. Or maybe once a year on their birthday, you mention it. But other times you can just say, you know, at some point you may, we've talked about confirmation or communion. At some point, something inside of you may say, I want to do that. And when you feel that, feel free to talk to me about it and we can chat about it. Doesn't mean you have to do it, but you can come to me and say, hey, I'd like to find out more. I'd like to see something. Or if you want to talk to your church leader about it or youth leader, you can do that too. You can always say, I think this is what is next for me because this is about you and God and that's exciting and I'm here to help you. So just give them the power to do that. And the last thing I guess is to have your own sense of what you want to see. You know, you know this kid. You know what they need spiritually and what's a fluke and what isn't. And so only you will know if you're like, "Yeah, I want to I want my kid to say it and then I want to see if it sticks." Or if you have a child who is having a wave and you're like, yes, let's jump on board this thing right now. Some of us are going to want to say, yes, that's fab. Let's do it immediately. And some of us are going to want to say, wow, that's so interesting. Let's investigate and get on the next exploration course. And if you still want to, you can do it not the next time, but the time after so we can have a time to watch it and then a time to do it. Um, or other times we'll want to be like, that's wonderful. It's next month. Let's sign up immediately. It is up to you to feel it out, but it's helpful if you think ahead of time, what you are looking for in this particular child and what you think the value of this tradition is for them. If you disagree with the timing, it's okay to be a parent. If your five-year-old wants full immersion baptism, there are churches who will happily do that. But if you think, no, I want you to be older, then that's okay too. But before you just shut it down, you know have a good think about your reasons and your way forward so you can communicate clearly you know there's a big difference between nope you're too young you know understand and wow this is a really big moment and it's something that i want you to remember forever every day we make decisions to live for god and say i'm with you god and i love that you want to say that every day to god and it makes me kind of want to cry with happiness that you want to do baptism now too to show everybody but my job as a parent is to pick when things are the perfect time for you. And I think that I want you to be a certain number of years old before we let you make that next church step. But that doesn't mean we can't have a big moment right now for you to say to God and everybody, I love God and I want to be with him forever. So woo! let's make a cake and invite five friends over. And you can tell everyone what God means to you and why you want to follow him forever. Sure. And then when you reach a certain age, then we can talk about doing full immersion baptism. You are the parent whatever your tradition is whether it's confirmation or communion or baptism know your church's policies and timing so you can be aware create windows and frame for them the ideas and traditions the whys and what changes about it create a next step for them to be able to step into it and trust you trust your parents instinct and value and treat each kid as their own person on their own spiritual journey and you'll figure it out just fine And for our wild card section, uh, I work closely with several people, one of which is Becky. She's incredibly wise. She's the one who supports, encourages, and walks alongside local churches. And she's been pondering about the concept of values and how that ties into parenting for faith. Here's Becky.
0: The other day, I came across an online assembly which promised much but turned out to deliver little. It was on the value of something or other, maybe like resilience or kindness, something like that. And I jumped onto my high horse and metaphorically galloped down the road. You see, assemblies were my thing. Before I worked for Parenting for Faith, I was a children and families worker for nearly 10 years. And in that time, I delivered over 400 assemblies. And about five years into the post, there was a new craze, values assemblies. It's a really nice idea. You explore great values you'd like the kids to have, and this helps them grow the value in them. So you end up with a school full of kinder, more resilient, more courageous, more trusting children. But what I noticed after a while was, was that essentially most of these assemblies ended up being about how to behave. Be kind. Persevere. You can do it. Be brave. Tell the truth. The core message the kids heard was, this is a good way to behave. But I'm not sure any of those assemblies really help the kids to change. Because I remember how hard that is. As a kid, I had a really annoying little sister. And I had to be kind to her. It was the backdrop to most of my early childhood. Be kind to Sarah. Share your toys. Let her join in. Oh, it was so hard. I had to grit my teeth and be kind. Now don't get me wrong, it's important for kids to know what's right and wrong and for them to be reminded of the values and character traits we want them to learn and grow in. But somehow for me, being kind to Sarah was just about behaviour, having to do something I didn't really want to do because it was right and because my mum could be quite scary. And it wasn't until I worked out what was going on in these values assemblies that I realised why. Well going back to assemblies, one year the school put up a display in the hall all about the values they were exploring that year. It was a big tree. You know how they cut them out of paper and stapled them to the big boards? There was a good, strong brown trunk with these skillfully cut branches and lots of kind of like green, fluffy cloud shapes to be the leaves. And then there was a big, shiny sign at the top saying, Our values. And what happened was that each half term, a child would be picked in assembly to come and put that terms value on the tree. And it'd be like a big, big apple that they stick on the tree with that value written on it. So you'd end up, the theory was, with a great visual reminder of the values school was going to grow in the children that year. Perseverance, justice, compassion, trust, love. You get the picture. And it is a really nice idea. But the problem was that as the year went on, the paper apples began to look a bit tired and started to curl at the edges And to be honest, those apples did not look very healthy. And then I realised these assemblies weren't growing values in the kids. They were sticking values to them. For an apple to stay healthy, it needs to be connected to the tree so it can receive nourishment and support. And I realised that when you teach values without helping kids connect to God, it's tough for the kids to really change. You're not growing a value in them. You're sticking it to them and telling them to be that thing. So school would do an assembly on courage, which typically would go like this. David was only little, but he knew God was with him. So he went out and fought the great big bully. So you can be brave like David. Next time you're scared, think of David. You can be like him. That is a bit shorthand. But really, I've seen this done and written down a good number of times. But the real question is, does knowing David was brave make you brave? Not really. It might inspire you. But what those versions of the story miss out is exactly why David was able to be brave. Because he was walking out to face Goliath hand in hand with the great God who defended him before and who told him that they were doing this. David's courage came from a place of deep connection with God where he spent time with him and heard his voice because God had grown courage in David. So what's this got to do with us and our everyday parenting? Well, around the same time as these values assemblies started, I heard Rachel Turner answer a question that went something like this. And I think this might be every parent's dilemma. The question went, should I make my child apologise when they've hurt their brother? And I'm like, oh, nice question. Yes, they should apologise, but then will they mean it? Ha, good question, my friend. And Rachel's answer totally impressed me. I'd not seen it coming at all. She said, Nah, send him to the loo so he can connect with God about it. I have to admit, the next time I lost it with a family member, I did just that. I went to the loo and chatted to God. And once I connected with him and heard his heart, I went out genuinely sorry to ask forgiveness. My anger had gone. I'd heard God's heart about forgiveness. And suddenly becoming forgiving became easy. And as Christians, we long to see values like the fruits of the Spirit shine in our kids' lives. We want them to be honest, courageous, joyful, kind, all those brilliant things God has for our kids. And what I've learned is that the best way to be transformed by God is to connect with him, spend time allowing him to nourish and support me, and then those values kind of grow organically. And so what I've discovered is Values isn't about telling kids how to behave. It's about helping them connect with God, the source of all those good things, so he can transform them from the inside out as he grows those values in them. And that might be through chat and catch or reflecting on a Bible story or sharing stories of times when we've been trusting or courageous and where God was in that. Or it might be about asking George how God helps him be so patient. Or Auntie Billy, what kept her persevering? after her husband died. There's still a place in my house for tell the truth, be patient, but now I'm seeing those as reminders of what's good rather than tools to help them grow. And to be honest, I keep reminding myself I need to connect with God. This isn't just for the kids in my life, it's for me too.
1: And a question to start an interesting conversation with our kids is this. In the Bible, God commands us to party, to celebrate. Why? What kind of parties do you think God would plan? Have an interesting conversation.